1: Today we're talking about a very important topic, surviving bipolar disorder. According to the National Institute of Mental Health, in a given year, bipolar disorder affects about 5.7 million American adults, or about 2.6% of the U.S. population of folks 18 and older. This number is probably even larger, given how many people do not seek treatment. Today you're going to have an opportunity to really understand bipolar disorder. Our guests are Wendy Williamson and Honora Rose. They are the co-authors of the book, Two Bipolar Chicks Guide to Survival, Tips for Living with Bipolar Disorder. Wendy and Honora know about life with bipolar disorder from the inside out. Pairing it with researched information, they're going to share their wisdom from many aspects of this illness, denial, diagnosis, medication, unrecognized highs, and life-threatening lows. Wendy Williamson is a best-selling author who graduated from Virginia Tech and began writing her memoir, I'm Not Crazy, Just Bipolar, after being downsized from corporate America. In addition to two bipolar chicks, she's written for Huffington Post, BipolarHope.com, Bipolar for Dummies, both the second and third editions. She's received accolades for her many publications. She runs the Red Bank Writers Group and is often called upon as a speaker. Honora Rose is a graduate from Boston University. She worked in the financial industry for 10 years before having her children, who are now a son of 18 and a daughter of 16. But not long after the birth of her second child, she was diagnosed with bipolar type 1. At 35, years of highs and crushing lows finally had a name. Her journey to wellness was born. Honora is a co-founder of the Red Bank Writers Group, an editor, an avid reader, and an outspoken advocate. Wendy Williamson and Honora Rose, it is my privilege to welcome you to Psych Up Live. Thank you for having us, Suzanne.
2: Oh, Thank you're super- you
1: very much. You're very welcome. Your book is invaluable, and I know what you share will be. Let's start by defining bipolar disorder for our listeners.
2: Well, bipolar disorder is a change marked in um, mood, both um, mania and depression. Um, we can get into the symptoms. Um, some, it probably helps to start with some of the symptoms of bipolar disorder. Um, displays of anger and aggression, frequent bouts of sadness, there's a grandiosity that comes with the illness. You feel like you need little sleep, then there's confusion, impulsivity, and pressured speech. And these are all symptoms of bipolar, which really help define it. Now, one of the things that people often ask is
1: Does cycling happen like within a half hour? Would I see you move from agitation and, you know, rapid speech to being
2: very, very depressed? Or is that a myth? I, I believe that's a myth. I, I don't know if you agree with me, Norm. I don't think it's that rapid of a switch. Um, I don't know if you agree with me, Norm. Yeah, that that's pretty much a myth. Although rapid cycling can, um, you can see that in rapid cycling, uh, bipolar disorder. I actually have rapid cycling, but rapid cycling tends to. You see that uh, for for uh, it's it's evidenced by for rapid cycling, um, evident it's four episodes a year. However, I tend to have that sometimes four in a day. Mm-hmm. So but, you're... So you could. You could. So it's kind yes, of complicated. It's very, it's very rare. It's very okay.
1: rare. Okay, Okay. Now, one of the things you say in the book is that diagnosis is difficult. And it takes people even time to realize that they may be struggling with bipolar disorder. Maybe you could share how did each of you come upon the realization that, whoa, this is what I'm suffering from?
2: Well, I think for me, it was um, pretty obvious something was wrong. And then they got me to the doctor. So for me, I was in my senior year of college at Virginia Tech. And I had, luckily, I had people around me that knew something was wrong. So one person, uh, I was just I had all these ideas. I wanted to write a book, which ironically I did later. But I wanted to write a book. I wanted to find our sorority a new house. i I wanted to uh, you know, I had all these things all of a sudden I wanted to make Dean's list where prior I'd never really cared. And all of these things, and I'm sure there were some you know less significant other ones, all these things were coming together at a storm, and I wasn't sleeping. I didn't feel the need to eat as much. I was getting bruises on me, actually, from not eating. Um, Mm. And, yeah, and somebody um, who's a friend of mine was talking to a doctor and heard me ranting and raving in the background of the phone call, actually, and said, get her some help. So plans were made for me, and they got me an appointment with the doctor, and then my parents came down, and the doctor said, you know, your your daughter has um, bipolar. And she said manic depression, she goes, although bipolar is the newer term. And uh, okay. I just looked at her like she was the enemy. <laughs> <laughs> right, you know, Wendy. It, it has
1: happened with folks I've dealt with, and you, you folks underscore it in the book that when you're in a manic episode, where, as you say, you feel like you could redo the whole sorority and you have ideas and why eat and why sleep, you really can't self reflect.
2: Is that right? No, not yeah, not at the time. At the time, you have blinders on. I mean, might as well be walking around. You know, not as yourself. You have no ability to see your behavior whatsoever. And I think that Mm -hmm. is what people don't understand who don't have the illness because the loved ones are going, you're being irresponsible, you're doing this, you're doing that, without really understanding that we don't have any awareness. We have very little awareness of what we're doing. It's very Mm. odd, but it's actually due to a part of the brain that just shuts down the hypo. I think it's the hypothalamus, the hippocampus. It's the one right in the front that makes the decision. Right. It just the shuts hypothalamus. down. hmm hmm yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: Now, Honora, for you, uh-huh. how do you realize and finally get the proper diagnosis?
2: Well, it's interesting. I, uh, I had my, my kids, and I actually knew something was wrong. I firmly believed that I was going crazy. I was absolutely certain something was going on and I actually called my husband one day from work and I said, you have to come home, something's going wrong and I ended up going to my GP and I told him, I said, something's not right, something's not right and he just sent me right off to a psychiatrist and that psychiatrist Diagnosed me within 20 minutes, mm-hmm. and and so I was actually very relieved. But it was it was after my postpartum depression. I had severe postpartum depression, and this was at a time where this was before Tom Cruise had had his argument with uh, Brooke Shields. So there was no um, there were no medications antidepressants for for postpartum depression yet mm. not much was known about postpartum depression yet so for me it was it was absolutely there was there was nothing known about postpartum depression so i i was you know i was essentially losing my mind and i and i didn't know why and and once the doctor gave me the diagnosis i was relieved Mm -hmm, I was mm -hmm. absolutely relieved that there was a name to it, and I was put on medication. I was absolutely relieved, and I was, you know, put on my journey to wellness, and Mm. that it it was, I I think Wendy and and my stories couldn't have been any more uh, different, I think,
1: so was that diagnosis, Honora, one of um, depression, and then later you were re-diagnosed with bipolar depression? or um no.
2: no, I was acting out very inappropriately sexually. Um, I was acting out, um, I was drinking to self-medicate. I was, um, at the time, I had been... Uh, I had already gotten, I think, T- two DUIs because I was self-medicating. I mm. didn't know how. Ha- I didn't know. Ha- I didn't. I knew something was wrong with me, but I I didn't know how to treat myself other than with drinking because I didn't know how to slow down my brain other than mm. with alcohol. You really understand. Which which is something that many. Bipolars tend to do is is use alcohol and drugs to slow down their brains.
1: Ex- absolutely true. That's absolutely what, what I've seen and what you wrote about in the book. It's a desperate attempt to really self-medicate, but of course it yeah. exacerbates the situation. So yeah. if, if we're, we're listening and our folks are listening to you, I just want to do a sidebar and say Given what you've both described and, and you both have suffered with bipolar disorder, can you lead a normal life when you have this diagnosis and when you're suffering in this way?
2: Not oh. without treatment, I don't believe. Okay. I believe if you are taking if you are in treatment, I think that's one of the myths is that, that you can't. So one of the realities is that you can if you're getting treatment for your illness. Right. Because yep. You know, like any other illness, if you don't if you don't get treatment for it, any other serious illness for sure, if you don't get treatment for it, it's going to get worse, right? And yeah. that's that's <laughs> where you find yourself. If you don't treat your mania, the worse it gets, the worse your depression will be afterwards. So mm-hmm. I, it absolutely requires you can't wish it away. You know, but you can become more productive. You are able to be productive and lead a quote-unquote normal life, whatever that is. Um, you know, medication definitely helps, you know, um, but you can't wish this away. There's mm-hmm. no cure. There's no cure. Mm-hmm. Let's say that. And
1: one and one of the things we know is the number of unbelievably created and gifted people who've made contributions who suffer with this. Um, mm-hmm. one of the important things though that that you hits you right away when you're reading your book, given that your first chapter is called What a Pill, is that one important piece of it? is getting the medication straight.
2: Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Don't you agree, Nora? Yeah. yeah. T- I yeah. mean, it took me a long to time. It took, took me a long time to get stable. And, um, you know, I, I give uh, all the credit to my first doctor for getting me stable on a, a, a great uh, regime of medications. And getting me stable. I mean, I'm I'm not still on those meds today, mm-hmm. but um, those medications really were able to keep me stable for for years. And I um, I just I, I praise him to this day. He's no longer in practice, but um, I I will never forget him for that.
1: Mm-hmm. When I read and an, any of. When you folks out there read this book, you're going to see that the, Honora and Wendy, it's humorous the way they describe you must have the medication. There are certain trays to use. They come up with <laughs> bag, bags to use it. And what I what came to my mind is over 40 years of practice, how often the medication, this is kind of frightening a little bit, was so good that I've had patients decide, I feel great. I don't need this. Right. I'm doing great. Right. In one in one horrendous situation, the psychiatrist decided that, which threw my oh, person boy. right right into the hospital. Of course, we don't right. use that person anymore, but the reality is with the right medication and really that's using it. We know that people have medication, whether they use it is really right. important. But when it's, just as you're saying, when it's right and you get that package right, it's really a, a life changer.
2: Yep. I mean, I, I definitely have to agree with that, but I, I want to make um, this point to the people that are out there and struggling. I mean, it's it not only is there no cure, and I don't mean to be the, the doom and gloom, but, no, that, um, and the medications will definitely help you, but one point is you'll need to adjust them throughout your lifetime because um, brain chemistry is so um, difficult. <laughs> I think it's most people will say the brain is the most um, difficult uh, organ and um, psychiatry is, is, is difficult the the battle is finding the best psychiatrist you can and that you can afford I mean nor am I pay out of pocket doesn't take insurance the best psychiatrists usually sure don't but I think that there's the, the point I wanted to make is that you often have to change you know it's not like you're on one medication I think I know of one person who takes has taken one medication for 30 years and she's Anomaly. She's the only person I've ever heard of like that. But you have yeah. to change. Typically, they'll have to change them for you. I mean, I've never, you know, I've never heard of anyone on the same thing for 30 years. You know, like it's such a great point,
1: uh, Wendy, because the folks I'm working with, we know and they've come to know, uh-oh, we're in November. That means we've got less light outside and we've got more yeah. depression. And mm-hmm. so they're all going in and asking, all right, and we're going to be talking about alternative um, additions to the medication. But that's a time my folks are starting to ask about adjustment. And then when we hit spring and summer, yeah, and me, uh, yeah, so I love oh. that you said that because this is always a work in progress is what you're
2: suggesting and what I've seen too. Yeah. Yeah, because um, I'm, I'm, prone. I'm, I'm prone to depression. And um, so I I need to watch my p's and q's come come September. Even I I have to be careful even earlier than October, mm-hmm. because, and and I I know I need to add an antidepressant in the fall, and, and I know I have to back off in the spring, because if I don't, my mania will will present itself, you know, in April. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. know, so so I yeah. I mean. Wendy and I are, we're experts at this, at this point. We're not infallible, but, but we've come to know our bodies pretty well at this point where we, we are pretty, pretty good about our meds. Uh, that, that's not to say that we don't get depressed. Or manic, we most certainly do. I I was depressed as early as two years ago, so it it does happen, and so it's it's not it's not uh, infallible, but mm-hmm. um, you know we we try to make and we and, and the good thing about both Wendy and I is that we live with one another, so we are able to like police each other you know when gift. we see yeah. yeah when we see each other sort of heading south or north we can go hey i see that and you need to be doing this or that or should be doing this or that hmm. oh we're, you know? we're
1: going to take yeah okay we're going to take a brief break and when we come back let's talk about meds plus some of the other really important strategies you offer You've been listening to Psych Up Live. We're speaking with Wendy Williamson and Honora Rose. They are the co authors of the invaluable book, Two Bipolar Chicks Guide to Survival Tips for Living with Bipolar Disorder. Stay with us. We'll be right back.
0: Streaming live, the leader in internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com
3: What's your coffee story? The one that defines who you truly are in a relaxing setting. It's where you share your memories, plan for the future, and talk about the now. My favorite coffee story is here with host Aniko Samoji. We invite you to listen in and share your coffee stories too. Bring your friends or just stop by as we talk about coffee and the inspiring stories that touch our lives every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel.
0: Our humanity is a thing we take for granted, but it takes many forms, and it requires much of us to fully express it. Listen to On Living, The Trauma and Beauty of Being Human with host Dr. Leanne Nguyen. This program will explore topics about survival, fulfillment, hope, connection, being fully alive to ourselves and to others. Guests are people whose life experience inspires us to reflect on these questions. Tune into On Living, broadcasting live every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Variety.
3: Every day, we're surrounded by technical buzzwords and jargon that can go way over our heads. Now there's a show that brings it all back down to earth. Tune in for today, Tomorrow's Technologies, with host Jose Negron. We'll not only explain the new technologies that are shaping our world, we'll give you the benefits and backstory of these technologies. Listen for T3 with Jose Negron. Live every Tuesday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel.
0: Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. You are listening to Psych Up Live. Join in our conversation today by calling Dr. Suzanne Phillips or her guest at 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. You may also send an email to radiohostphillips at gmail.com. Now back to Psych Up Live.
1: Welcome back to Psych Up Live. We're speaking with Wendy Williamson and Honora Rose, the co authors of. Two Bipolar Chicks Guide to Survival, Living with Bipolar Disorder. So we, we had been talking about medication and the ongoing process of getting it right and finding the right person. I know you talk about that in the book, the right psychiatrist um, who really gets you and is going to work with you, the right psychologist, the, the kind of team that you put together. Um, and one of the things that Wendy and Honora share is that medication and regulation of it is crucial, but there are many other ways that you can offset stress and enhance a life that's easier to survive, so maybe we should talk about stress and bipolar.
2: That that sounds intertwined and a good topic to me. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I definitely think there are, are many ways to um, manage your stress. Um, definitely in a, in our book, we, we have a, a number of things that we feel will help you. Uh, one, being organization, it takes a lot to organize your meds, and, you know, that can be very stressful, especially since we're not usually on one or two. So because you have to, often you have to be one uh, for a stabilizer, you Typically, you need one for your anti-depression, uh, antidepressants. So being organized has been a big help for us. Um, also, to do your research, uh, to find a good psychiatrist and a good... Often, I think therapy is a very good idea. And so I have a good psychologist. And I do recommend psychologists because they have more training with uh, bipolar disorder. And in general, I feel they're more qualified. So I do recommend that. Um, plus, they get... You can have your insurance. If you have insurance, will pay part of it. And so or organization is, is a huge one. Um, then there are other things to minimize your stress. You can try aromatherapy. Um, you can try candles. We, we do that a lot. And it can be fun trying different, you know, aromatherapy sets and whatnot. But we always have candles. They're very de-stressing. At, late at night, turn off the TV, maybe put on music or... Turn off your computer. You want to make sure you're, that's actually the lights from that interfere with your sleep. Um, and do something creative. Find something you love. Life doesn't have to be all about your illness. You know, something, something that you like. I found, what was it that I did a number of years ago? Oh, I did pottery. And you wouldn't believe how that added to my life. It got me through the week. And um, get out and have fun. Listen to some free music. You volunteer. I found writing as well. An attitude is very important. You know, make a gratitude list. You know, Dream. Think of something you want to do.
1: Now, um, and those really are the things that move us in life and give us something else to focus on and reduce stress. One thing that you mentioned, and I use it as a psychologist as a key to watch for with folks I'm dealing with, which is when they stop sleeping. Now, I mm-hmm. wonder if you could speak oh, yeah. a little bit about that.
2: Well, you know what we use to help us sleep is we use the noise machine. You know, outside of I'm sure you have one. Maybe you have one outside your office. Is one of those noise machines? Mm-hmm. We uh, yes. we have we actually have one on each side of our bed, one on my side and one on her side, and it's it's to uh, cancel out noise, outside noise, and um, it works wonders. It mm-hmm. stops early morning early morning noise, and it l- allows us to sleep better. And also the the dark out shades, the blackout shades. Yep. those also yes. those also work for us. They keep the uh, have- you know. I'm sorry. What's that? Go ahead, Wendy. I was also saying, like, set an alarm. Um, We have started setting an alarm for when we need to go to bed because we're self-employed. We're writers. So we kind of have a schedule we can move around. And sometimes it's tempting to stay up late and, you know, mania might talk to you in very, like, hypomania whispers. Like, oh, you can stay up. Sure. Why not? And it's very subtle sometimes. So Mm -hmm. we set an alarm on our phones for when it's time to go to bed and we try to stick to them. Hmm.
1: I, I think that really makes a difference. It's interesting. One family that had lots of little ones. Every little one had a different sound machine. One had rain. One had the beach.
2: So yeah. it's it's
1: really it's really interesting how it effective these sort of ancillary things that seem small are actually very big. Yep. Now you yeah, wrote a lot. Do. Go
2: ahead. No, I'm I'm saying that I agree with you. They do.
1: Yeah, yeah. Now you also spoke about something, and in this culture where we all love Starbucks, Dunkin' Donuts, and the, this coffee or that coffee, caffeine—something you both mention—is worth watching in terms of when you start to see the signs that you're kind of getting rev, revved up or a little bit more manic. Do you watch that yeah. for each other, or are you able to grab it
2: yourself? Well, caffeine, just like nicotine, is a stimulant, and we don't need stimulant. <laughs> we have enough of it in our brain, naturally. So um, I switch to half-calf um, in the morning for what I have in coffee, and I limit myself to one a day. And uh, most doctors will say, you don't need coffee or one per day. I mean, even the doctors that you see for whatever you see for, I think, um, you know that, that I've all been to just say one's enough and when we get manic we shut down here to no caffeine because we're used to our one cup in the morning but we go to we take all the caffeine um k cups away and we only brew um decaf and it's a way oh, around uh, here That's i'm i'm not i'm not that much of a uh an expert i will have my cup of coffee no matter what i'm i'm not i'm not um I can't. I can't not have my coffee. <laughs> you in the immediate work I, ca- yeah. <laughs> I can't. But so, in high times of mania Nora, when it gets really for, bad for, I, you I, know, I'm, I'm just saying for to- all my for all my <laughs> other bipolars out there who don't don't feel bad if you have a cup of coffee when you're manic. I'm just saying don't feel bad because okay. but I'm, I do it. I'm too. also gonna put my two cents in and listen to people if they tell you not to drink caffeine. If you have to have I'm your cup just, of coffee you know in the what? morning, you I just, I just, I just don't want people to feel bad when they go. I can't not have a cup of coffee. Yeah. Well, well you what know, we no hope bad. is nobody that nobody wants to feel bad. Well, maybe we'll... this is well, what we disagree on. <laughs> well,
1: it's great because maybe you have to say to yourself, if I am going to have the coffee, I better listen to really soothing music in yeah. my car, or I better yeah, offset exactly. it with, a, I better offset it with exercise. You know, right, so that you you start to see which of the yeah. pieces that you
2: could probably Because I'm not going to lie to your <coughs> listeners and say, okay, I don't have coffee. I can't. I can't lie mm-hmm. to your listeners and say, I don't have coffee when I'm manic. Because no, I do. she always does have her cup in the morning. But I'm not going to lie and say, I try to take away the caffeine courage and order the decaf and try to persuade her. See, that's right. the thing. Right. Your loved one is always going to look out for your best. And they may try to say, no caffeine, no caffeine. And the other person, when they're manic, is going to say, don't take away my caffeine, don't take away my caffeine, because they're holding on to anything they can have. And, (laughs) And you know, you can't break a routine. The person's going to have their coffee in the morning. So we're not saying we're perfect. But, but one of the loved things one that, is always looking out for you. You know what I mean? Okay, so
1: we have the loved one on the job, and yes. and we don't have time to go into all of them, but there's so right. many, from exercise to music, to sound machines, to um, art, there are things in this puzzle that you might need to draw upon more to balance out others, but there's no getting around the partner input also. Yeah. Now, Right let's go let's go to what's been on the news lately, which is that suicides become a public health crisis. And oh, from a boy. distance, people look at it and think, what? Why? And one of the things you say in your book is that one in five bipolars die by suicide. Is that right? Mm-hmm.
2: Yes yeah. and and yeah, four out of five attempt it four out of okay. five attempt suicide. Okay, so tell, tell
1: us if you would, and you're both survivors, and you're both yeah. working hard, even on this show, to pass on the message. How how do you, what do you remember about getting into that place, and what got you to vote for life?
2: Well, um, I'll start. Um, this is Wendy. 2000. It, yes, yeah. it's usually there are triggers, is um, what I've decided with my own life, there were triggers. And what I've decided, um, when I read other people's stories or listen to other people's stories, there's usually like a trigger. And I had two friends that, um, that, um, uh, the word committed suicide. They try not to use that in mental health. They try to say completed suicide. Um, I'm just so used to saying the other, but, um, the two people I know that completed suicide, um, they both had it was a broken heart right before, and they um, and, and myself had that a trigger, and mine was death of a loved one and sudden loss of a job, not even one that I liked, but a sudden kind of loss of identity, like this person I looked to, looked to dropped out of, of a heart condition. This job I had is suddenly over, and then my apartment um, was no longer, my, my, um, my roommate didn't sign the lease. And so I suddenly had to move home. And it was just, I think it was just bam, bam, bam. And my grandmother passed. And mm-hmm. I think it was just four changes in a row that I just was like drowning. Like, it's like you catch your breath and you can handle so many. And then the waves keep coming. And for me, that was just, I just couldn't, I, I couldn't come back from all those things. And, um, and, you know, to people that don't have mental illness or depression or bipolar disorder, you know, people that aren't, professionals in the field and they see oh that's weakness oh pull you know pull yourself by your bootstraps and all those things to hear but um it's devastation on top of somebody who already has clinical depression on mm-hmm. top of somebody who already has mania and mania is is often the driving force it's just you have to have just a little bit of mania sometimes to attempt and both of my friends um attempted right when right when spring came, and they were also um, depressed enough and had a trigger. So that's mm-hmm. my take on it. Um, you know, I, I won't go into the attempt, but I will remember also feeling even more depressed that I couldn't complete it. You know, well, I was in the hospital, and then I feel even more depressed that, oh, I couldn't go through with it. And mm-hmm. um, so it's a, it's a whole snowball of a nightmare. At, um, and, at and what point,
1: Wendy, at what point did you... Did you ever feel like, good thing I didn't complete it?
2: Oh, uh, that took a while. I mean, there's, it's really weird. I, it, afterwards, there's, there's a, a, a few moments where you're like, I guess I wasn't meant to. I guess I'm meant to be on this earth. And there's a, a sudden feeling, at least I had after two attempts of my attempts, that I was grateful that it didn't work, that, it didn't, that something was placed in my path and it wasn't meant to happen. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. then you have to deal with this fallout of the depression's not going away, it's not going away, it's still here for a year, why is it going away? You know, then this, the hope limit, hopelessness sets back in. So mm-hmm. there may be momentary great gratitude, which I had, but then there was, okay, let's get back to work, how are we going to solve this, and why is it not going away? And you're faced okay. with treatment, yeah, then you have to decide about your long-term treatment, how to, how to okay. fix this. And we're
1: going to talk about the treatment you chose and what worked for you. And how about you, Honora? What what was your journey from I don't want to live anymore to living?
2: Uh, Well, for me, uh, my sense of uh, wanting to not live anymore stemmed more from uh, the fact that I lost my children um my ex husband um really um kind of did me dirty and decided mm-hmm. to take my children away from me because I had mental illness and um didn't play nice and um really it 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 could' he could have handled this a little bit differently but chose not to mm-hmm. and it really it hurt me you know. There's Mm -hmm. plenty of people, plenty of people in America who, um, you know, raise their children and they're bipolar and there's, you know, no, no fuss. There's nothing extraordinary about it, but my ex-husband chose to um, take it to court and make it a thing. Hmm. Which really is not, um, was not necessary. But, um, anyway, he chose to do that. And me being bipolar at the time, um, and really, really depressed, um, I chose to handle it that way. Um, and, um, instead of getting help, I, um, you know, almost uh, made my children um, lose their mother. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well,
1: we, we only have a minute, but in other words, somehow you were saved or you saved yourself.
2: Um, well, I, I I was saved. I mm-hmm. was definitely saved. Wendy had a lot to do with that. My family had a lot to do with that. Mm-hmm. It was, it was um, you know... A complete. There were there were a lot of circumstances in that, but but Wendy definitely had a lot to do with that. You know, she. I was living with her at the time, mm. and a lot of that had to do with that. Uh, may,
1: many times we say, and you two would know best, that the protective factor is a loved one, and mm-hmm. I I just want to weigh in here that in a number of cases regardless of what diagnosis, but folks who are bipolar, I would see them as the more viable parent, since I know the family. Um, and mm-hmm. so I'm with you on and that he did you dirty, but I, I'm, I'm delighted to hear you say that your children have their mom. When we come yeah. back, let's talk about the treatment, even in a very brief way, the treatment each of you chose that our listeners could learn about that really has helped you get through this journey without so much darkness Uh you've been listening to psych up live we're going to take a brief break and we're speaking and they're they're being so wonderfully personal in sharing the journey they've taken and the pain with this journey at times we're speaking with wendy williamson and honora rose they're the co-authors of the book two bipolar chicks guide to survival tips for living with bipolar disorder stay with us there's much more coming
0: The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Are you finding your frequency? on Voice America Variety.
3: Tune in to the Patricia Raskin Show on VoiceAmerica.com every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. This is the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions with the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio, Patricia Raskin. So tune in and call in to The Patricia Raskin Show, Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel.
0: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America
1: Welcome back to Psych-Up Live. We're speaking with Wendy Williamson and Honora Rose. They're the co-authors of Two Bipolar Chicks, Guide to Survival, Tips for Living with Bipolar Disorder. And as you heard in our last segment, they actually have the wisdom of survivors. They've been on all sides, and in the moments when they knew they had it together, and in the moments that seemed very, very dark. And with that kind of wisdom, I want to ask both of you, For our listeners, what are the types of treatments that people could check out, actually use, that you think makes a difference in dealing with bipolar disorder?
2: Well, there are a number of treatments. Um, Statistically, ECT is the one that's the most effective. I've done that. There's also DBT, which is dialectical behavioral therapy. Um, That's probably one that I would try, except that it's anywhere from five to eight thousand dollars. Um, you you can go on a lunch break, um, cause, and there's no um, cognitive side effects, so that appeals to me. Um, there is, uh, but the fact that there's no insurance coverage right now is not appealing. So I've never tried that, but I would. That's for I think it's mainly for depression, but there are other illnesses they use that for. Uh, Medication, certainly, we utilize that. Light boxes, we certainly use that. Uh, We're in a four-season area, so um, we definitely pull those out as early as September. And and everything listed in the wellness chapter in our book, we utilize. All of those little things definitely add up and help. So CBT is cognitive. I don't know if I mentioned CBT. Cognitive behavioral Mm -hmm. therapy, DBT, ECT, um, and all the things listed, like I mentioned, Medication and in our wellness chapter, like I said, all hmm. those little things. Exercise is very good. It's not a treatment per se, but they it, the statistics are overwhelming and how much it helps you. Of course, when you're depressed, the last thing you want to do is is take two steps outside your door. Um, I find <laughs> that one very difficult.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. I say to people, try not to think of it as exercise. I did a blog on this, but movement with purpose. And whether it's vacuuming or, as you <laughs> folks suggest, have a neighbor stop by, um, drag yeah. the do- drag dogs out for a walk, park as far as you can from the front of a store. You know, it doesn't have to be you in a gym in some sort of wonderful clothing. It can be... Right. Anything that gets you to move and just it's such a good feeling when you put even 10 minutes in can start. But I I saw you wrote a great deal about that. Um, In in terms of treatments, you you also make it clear and I worry a bit with um, legalizing marijuana that I've had some folks with bipolar disorder for whom marijuana was a real nightmare, uh, as was alcohol and other drugs. Now, I, I, you, you discussed that as something to avoid also.
2: Well, 60 to 80% of people with um, bipolar disorder uh, have a problem with uh, alcohol and drugs. And so until there's research otherwise, I personally would not. Um, I'm abstinent personally um, because I've seen my life on the other end of it and affects me in a negative way. And I don't think there's a mental health organization out there that would say, it's, I've never read a book or heard from a group that says it's a positive thing you should do. Right. Um, but right. the reason why there's so many of us that do it is because I don't think we're getting proper treatment or maybe the proper medication. And so we're searching for something in defense of, of, of any of us. I mean, I fall into that category. I have fallen into that category so in defense, um, it's just not the proper. We just don't have the proper treatment. But until you can get proper treatment for bipolar disorder, you have to treat, have to treat the addiction because you can't get anywhere otherwise. And there seems to be
1: you you folks are implying it, and I've seen it with some of my patients. A real learning curve where people start to, as you say, put on these bipolar glasses and go, nope, I've learned. That I can't smoke weed, or I've learned that when I'm um, sleeping around, someone has to stop me. Because, do
2: you know know how old we are? (laughs) I don't think think you're so old. And we've done that.
1: Yes, but you're telling us you you really have the wisdom of survivors because I think what you say is so true. I was laughing when you described, Wendy, that when you're in a hypersexual state, at one point you were dating people who look like they belong behind a police lineup. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and clearly you're you're saying...
2: I still see some of those people around from time to time, and I just i shirk. I'm like, what was I thinking? You (laughs) are not I mean, Nora and I were just laughing about a story right before I got on the phone. It's like it helps to be in a committed relationship, but you have to also watch your mania because there are people who are in committed relationships that will go up and still act out sexually. Well, that just means that the medication's off or they're not taking their medication or, you know, maybe there's some other part of their, you know, bipolar program that's, that's fallen but it helps to be in a committed relationship, don't you think, Nora? <laughs> yeah. You have some
1: funny memories, lucky. I'm sure. <laughs> yes, you were lucky. You know, one thing I want to mention that you mentioned in it, it, till I s- is the use of music, particularly the way you said you're really feeling somewhat manic, go with music that brings it down. You're feeling depressed, go with music that pulls it up. I think music on the brain is invaluable, so I love that you put that in. Yeah. The, now, our listeners can learn from you in terms of what would you suggest are some resources, organizations, that you think they should write down and know about.
2: Well, there's well, NAMI. Yeah. And that's right, Wendy. The, N-A, N-A-M-I. I. National, National Alliance on Mental
1: Illness. Right. DBSA. Depression and Bipolar Support Alliance. Alliance. They all can be found online.
2: Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, What else, Wendy? I would say the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline is very important. They also have a website, um, suicidepreventionlifeline.org, and all of these that we're mentioning are .orgs. Uh, I should give you the phone number. It's very important. It's 800-273-TALK. And I'm grateful now that if when a high profile um, person is dying, you know, has, has um, committed suicide or completed suicide, that they're now putting this number up. So this yep. number is yeah. getting circulated, which is making me happy. Um, mm-hmm. I think another uh, resource, and this one's about medication. Nor you have that one, right? The good which one? GoodRx.com, rx. Oh, uh, I think it is. GoodRx.com. Yeah, that helps with that helps actually with people who have a um, limited uh, means. They mm-hmm. can also help you with um, some of your medications. What was the exact title be, of it again?
1: It's GoodRx.com. GoodRx.com. Great, because medication can be expensive, so this is a resource people can go to.
2: Yeah. yeah, I think that and one is, is the, you put in the generic and where you live, and it gives you the, the cheapest price of all of them. Perfect. But I'm not entirely sure. I haven't done that one in a while. that, could be wrong. that, that will me. give you the cost of generics. Good.
1: Let me ask you, in the yeah. interest of time, ladies, we're almost running out of time. If each of you could give our listeners a take-home message, briefly, what would it be? Honora, what would you say to our listeners?
2: Um, don't be afraid to get help. I know it seems overwhelming, and even if you don't have insurance, there are avenues that you can get help. That would be my my biggest, biggest piece of advice.
1: Thank you. And what about you, Wendy? Any advice you could give what to do, what not to
2: do? Mine is don't give up. Um, You know, even if you have attempted suicide... That doesn't have to be your future story. You know, just don't give up. And if you are ashamed to talk to somebody, then call the suicide hotline. Um, you may talk to a friend who, who might be not the right person to talk to you about. You know, you might talk to a oh. friend who is either, you know, ignorant about the subject or give you, gives you false advice, but whatever you do, don't give up and talk to somebody. Oh, wait, can so, I just add one more oh, thing? Oh, sure, sure, sure. We have time. Go right ahead. We are um, at uh, at Two Bipolar Chicks. It's the number two, Two Bipolar Chicks on Twitter. And if anyone ever wants to get in touch with us, they can on Twitter. If they ever have questions for us or anything, they can do that on Twitter.
1: Yes, if you have a great yeah, a great presence online, and I'm I'm encouraging our listeners to do that. I think one of the things that both of you did, and it's maybe the main message, is that you've gone public with bipolar disorder as two bipolar chicks, um, mm-hmm. and as a reason, even in that step, you reduce the stigma of mental illness. Um, you're yeah. two professional women, your partners, you talk, you you give speeches, you write. I think. Your your story really reduces the stigma about mental illness and really offers wisdom that you can not only survive, I think you've let us know, you have thrived with bipolar disorder. When you meet yeah. people, as you get to know them, do you let them know that you suffer with bipolar disorder? Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. All right. That, that's great. That's a, that's truly... Yeah. Um, opening it up and opening the message and please find them online and go to Amazon and their book to bipolar chicks guide to survival. You will enjoy it. You'll feel tearful and you're going to learn a lot about bipolar disorder. I want to thank both of you for joining me today. Thank um, you. Thank you for having us. It's been a pleasure ladies. Um, I want to thank my listeners. Remember by six 30 Eastern time, this will be a podcast at the same link, and it'll mean you can hear it at any time, and we'll be sending it out all over. You can hear any prior show as a podcast on the Voice America website, on Psych Up Live website. These podcasts can be um, found on the iPhone, on iTunes. Please remember to drop me a comment or a question at radiohostphillips at gmail.com. Mostly, until next week, please take care.